Hey there, we're jumping in here to talk to you about the Dirt on Flowers Insiders. We've been listening to your feedback and we're excited to announce that starting in July, you will be able to join the Insiders at any time, so we no longer have limited enrollment days. Not only will this simplify joining the Insiders, but you'll now have access to our growing content library that includes everything that we've provided since we started the Insiders. So now there's no rush to consume that month's extras and it gives you the freedom to grow at your own pace. So if you're just tuning in with us, here's what's included. You'll get video recordings, additional audio podcasts, extras with our special guests, templates, downloads, and more. A community Facebook group plus a member directory that will allow you to connect with like-minded and new flower friends all across the country. You will have a forum to ask questions and share your wins. Monthly live Q&A to allow you to get your questions answered and early access to our ValueTuber sales. The Insiders allows you to move the needle in your business and dive deeper alongside us for only $20 a month. You guys, literally that's the cost of selling one bouquet a month. So if you're loving the podcast and you want to dig deeper with us, head over to thedirtonflowers.com forward slash insider to join. We can't wait to guide and encourage you as you take your business to new levels. We can't wait to see you on the inside. I'm Lindsay with Wild Root Flower Company. And I'm Shannon from Bloom Hill Farm. Over the last six years, we've leaned on each other as we grew our farms into the profitable six-figure farms they are today. We want you to join us each week as we have real, honest conversations about life and business. And we promise you'll leave feeling inspired and your farming toolbox will be filled with actionable strategies you can implement at any stage in your business. Learn from our mistakes as we talk business, marketing, and growing techniques to help you create the farm of your dreams. So let's roll up our sleeves and get the dirt on flowers. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Dirt on Flowers. I, uh, Shan, do you re-listen to the episodes? You don't, do you? No. No, no. I do not like listening to myself talk. Well, so I listen to them each week after yes. Emily edits. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. yeah. So I noticed that when I start, I tried to not do it this time, but I'm like, <laughs> I say to another episode of The Dirt on Flowers. Like I always go up when I say it. So I was trying to be like very conscious about how I like started this podcast this morning. It makes me, I want to, every time I listen to it, I want to flick myself right in the head. Like every time, I can't do it. Oh, it's perfect. Nobody ever noticed. We only notice things about ourselves. This is true. This is very true. Awareness. Way too much self-awareness. <laughs> this is a fact. Okay. I'll let it go, no, but I just yes, tried to be more aware of it. Yes. So when this episode comes out, I've been sweating because my annuals are so short. Everything's oh. really short right now. Are yours? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I just like, you know, I always feel like my celosia like start blooming really short and then the, then they get some heat and then get super tall. But I think yeah. everything's shorter this year. Definitely my spring stuff. Yeah. It, it really is. We pulled some stuff. Some of our direct seeded stuff we ended up pulling because of the the drought and our irrigation and stuff couldn't keep up with it. But I keep looking at the U-Pick field thinking, is this thing going to be open? So I think when this episode comes out, I probably will have be relieved because we'll mm-hmm. probably be picking. But it's so hard to see that when you're looking at the annuals and everything looks like yeah. four inches tall. And I'm yes. thinking they've been in the ground for <laughs> you know, a long like, time. A long time. Yeah. They've been in the yeah. ground. It's almost July. It's like mm-hmm. it's forget. I don't know why. Every year yeah. we just – I just keep forgetting how long it takes. I always feel because we actually went on a vacation a couple weeks ago, a couple weeks ago. And I always forget, and I'm going to remind you of this, Lindsay, because you know we're always like so involved in the day-to-day of our farm. So it's like we're watching a pot boil you know, yes. with this kind of stuff. But the incredible jump that happens when I left to when I came back, I was like, Oh my gosh, everything's like there are new things blooming. And so it really, it happens faster than you think, but it's like, we're just like constantly anticipating and trying to project and all of that. And it's a lot of pressure. It is a lot of pressure. And I think it's also because the customers are asking us, yes. like, when are we going to be open? And they want to, you know, but I've got workshops planned for you pick on the <laughs> July 15th. So yeah. it it'll better. happen. It will. And you're ahead of me too. So my spring, my summer stuff is starting to bloomish, just short and sporadic yeah. at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Getting if there, not, though. 
picking ditch lilies and painting those for our watercolor class. <laughs> Just send them out in the field to pick some yarrow. My gosh, out in the hay field. Johnson grass, yarrow, ditch lilies. Oh we'll gosh. find something. Yeah. Oh, creative. yeah. Yeah. That's they won't even care. Yeah. You know? I don't know, but it's like, you know, sometimes you see, you do see stuff on social media and you of think course. like, why don't I have that? Why am I not picking this now? Or, or even like last year. But the truth is, I mean, we didn't get – we didn't have rain and the irrigation yeah. just really couldn't keep up with it. So Yeah, yeah. I did spin it though in my mind that was this was the first year that we didn't get a ton of rain for dahlias. So we had very little rot. Oh, so like, yeah. There's a win, right? Yes. We planted them and then it didn't rain for a month. Yeah. We ended up putting water – some water on ours. Yeah. Because we were like, oh, are they going to dry out? Or they were – we were just like – like even yeah. at this stage, like eight or nine years in, like we're still worrying about, and I just like just it'll be fine. Let like net let nature take its mm-hmm. course. And I'm like we better get some water on those. <laughs> yeah. Well, I sent you um, that uh, the meme like was a reel that oh, was yeah. memes with the office, and it's if you haven't seen it, we should put it up. We on should the- share it. Yeah, yes. we should share it. We'll share it on the on our story. But it was the shallot, I think, posted it. And it's the flower farming – or not flower farming. It's farming by month. And <laughs> it's um, Steve Carell and just uh, from the office. And it's his reaction, like little clips to each month. Like I think in March he's saying like – I declare bankruptcy, you know, and it's like all of this mental space, you know, space that it takes up. And then in August, we're running around like crazy and they're doing CPR in September. And it's, (laughs) it is so true. It's not healthy. Like this is just like, this cannot be healthy. But but the difference from one season to the next, it's like, I want even just talking business wise, like predictability and crop planning and all those things, like those are all wonderful, but we do have to let the vice grip you know, loosen a little bit on like what we think we should be having when and yeah. when it actually comes. It's just part of part of the excitement, I guess. So yeah. Yeah. Well this is kind of ties into what we're talking about. It's just like the today we're we're talking about like knowing when to pivot your business. Mm-hmm. Um and I I know through the lens of social media, sometimes it can feel like every farm has the same business model. We're all doing the same things. It's a really easy way to compare yourself to another farm where it's like somebody's perennials or excuse me, annuals are up, their summer annuals are blooming and why are mine not? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we are doing a lot of similar things, a lot of these farms, but when you really dive in and sort of look at the nuances of different farms and and what makes that farm unique, we're all very different. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I will say that one thing I've loved about watching our current guest who's hiding in the shadows is that today's guest, she's just done a great job with evolution of her business. Um, As long as I've been friends with her, she's just sort of always in this like pivot mode and looking for the next opportunity. So, so today on the show, we have Connie Homerick from the Ohio Cut Flower Collective with us. Connie, welcome to the podcast. Yes, welcome. Thanks guys. Yeah, absolutely. So glad to have you on here today. When was this Connie? Like maybe three or four years ago where she sold me her wreath machine and that thing has just been <laughs> been a workhorse ever since but, but every time I get it out you know I, I always think about you and and now she says she's hand hand wiring her wreaths Connie no 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 <laughs> should have never sold that to me <laughs> it worked out Ooh, good though good glutton for punishment I yeah, think we I met know. at an Ohio flower farmer meetup did we not same place yes. that I met you Shannon I think so. yeah is that yeah Mm-hmm. I think that's where we met. I think it was in somewhere in northern Ohio, one of mm-hmm. those. We keep getting people saying that we should uh, revive the Ohio flower farmer meetup. That's been a yeah. thing people have been rallying us to do. So oh, Yeah, we haven't, we haven't had that for a couple years. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, down there Lindsay. in Granville, I think. Yeah. The last one. <laughs> yeah. It was, okay. Yeah. I'm putting Lindsay Granville. in charge of that. Oh, <laughs> my God. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it would be, it would be a fun, we've, we've had a lot of people, we've had a lot of people asking that, but it was a, it was a winner thing. I don't know. We're, we're, uh, we've talked, we've talked about it, just how to make it, how to make it work. So it might be a virtual (laughs) thing, but all right, I'll put it, I'll put it on my list. There you go. Okay. So Connie, welcome. So um, tell our listeners a little bit about you. Talk to us about um, where you started, what you're doing now, and then how that business has evolved over time. Because you really do have a, such a cool and unique story that I think a lot of people are going to love. And it will give a, 
people a little bit of a permission to pivot when they want to. So tell us a little bit about you. Okay. Well, um, I started working out in traditional flower shops at the age of 18, um, worked in a local flower shop in a small town for several years. And then when that owner was ready to retire, I bought out his business. So it was just a traditional brick and mortar did a lot of everyday orders, funeral work, um, stuff like that. Had that for several years. And I, it was while I owned that, that I started to notice all the um, growers starting to come up, you know, the, that growing your local flowers was a thing. Actually sold that business. And at the time, my husband and I had just bought some land. And of course, we knew nothing about farming or growing anything. Yeah. But then we started growing. And at that time I was like freelancing. So I was still taking on weddings, you know, other special events and stuff. And then obviously had more flowers than I could use. So I started selling to the other local flower shops in the area, which was kind of a good thing. Cause I kind of already knew a lot of the flower shops in that area, just because of the community yeah. in our area, we all kind of knew each other. And then did that for several years, really struggled with the growing. I just, I've realized that that wasn't really my thing, but while I was growing, I had, it was actually Nate from Mohegan Flower Farm called and asked me if I had, I can't remember what it was that he wanted to know if I had, oh, Dusty Miller. And I, uh-huh. and cause he wanted to sell it to one of my florists that I was selling to in town. And so that idea just kind of went off. Like we're both selling to the same florist. We're both running routes, you know? Um, so about that time, that's when I met Katie at Old Slate Farm and we had started talking and same thing, her and Nate were passing each other on High Street in Columbus, going to the same flower shops, you know, trying to sell their flowers. Mm-hmm. And so we had, we got together, we had a little meeting at a coffee shop and we're like, look, we're all running around. It's like an entire day to run your vehicle you know, around to all these shops, we were all wasting time going to all the same shops. And I had told them that I thought a co-op would be a good idea and I would manage it, <laughs> but I don't, you know what I mean? Like I would be willing to manage it because you have to have somebody that yeah. can do the back end of it. And so that first year we really had no idea what we were doing, but like we all brought our flowers together. We, that first year, we really didn't have a whole lot of people that came to the collective, but we delivered and yeah, that first year we only delivered and had pickup. And then I realized, okay, so at a certain point, your business is maxed out. Only so many people are going to be able to travel, you know, maybe an hour's worth. So then we figured out FedEx shipping. So now we offer shipping. We actually no longer offer delivery unless it's an extremely large, like you fill my van, I'll bring it to you. Um, for the most part, you have to come pick it up or we FedEx it to you. And then we have a drop-off location also in Columbus and that's where we are today. So there's, uh, depending on the time of the year, like obviously in the beginning of the season, not all the farmers are active. Not everyone participates every week, but it's a weekly thing. And I do very, like I put in of like, some dahlias this year. And that's it. I'm actually doing very little growing myself anymore. I took one wedding this year and it's already over with. (laughs) So I'm I'm just running the collective. So that's how it's all changed. Very cool. So talk to me a little bit. So you started, let me just make sure I got that. So you started the traditional florist and then you sort of evolved into the growing piece and you felt like, I know when you and I've chatted before, you said you just felt like maybe the growing piece wasn't exactly for you. Right. And then of this idea sort of sparked with, you know, a couple other people to then form a collective, right? And which is where you're at now, which is the Ohio Cut Flower Collective. And so I'm actually a part of the collective. So I can speak to from the farming side, what it's like to participate in a collective, but I did not know there was a difference between a co-op and a collective. So can you talk about that a little bit, like what the differences are and how you settled on a collective versus a co-op? Right. So it's just from my understanding So like a collective is like owned by one person. So I solely own the collective. I, you know, choose what farmers come in. I choose what farmers go and it's just a sales outlet, right? So they're selling their flowers through the collective. I'm collecting the funds for them and redistributing it back to them. From my understanding, a co-op is a more formal setup. So you actually have a board. So, you know, you have, you'll vote on, 
you know, who, what farms are coming in. It's a lot more structured than a collective. And it's obviously, it's farmer owned, right? So all the farmers mm-hmm. have part in it. Whereas the collective, it's like, I solely own it. I make the decisions. But now obviously my decisions that are made are very much come from feedback from the farmers. You know, I would never make a change without talking to them. It's just a little bit less structured than a co-op legally speaking, I think. Uh, from I talked with the Colorado Cut Flower Collective, and they're a collective also, whereas Michigan, I think their collective is more of a co-op. So they have a board and everything has to go through the board and be voted on. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So, so when you first got started, I know it was the grower side that inspired you because you saw a need the growers were passing each right. other on the street. But yeah. talk to me. I'm just curious about the florist side of things because the florist shops are probably looking to you as one source instead of dealing with multiple farmers. So right. I guess what kind of need did you find there and like what inspired you on that side too to keep growing it? Well, it's kind of interesting when it comes to the florist part of it because so I, you know, I started out in very traditional flower shops that really did not utilize local flowers at all. And so when I found that, you know, and started going down that rabbit hole, (laughs) the need for it, because it gave them the opportunity to, first of all, have more quantity, because none of us were really growing to any quantity. And second of all, to have variety. Because, you know, we can only offer so many sunflowers and zinnias, but, you know, we all had our own little niche that we would take off, you know, and do. So offered a lot more variety. And just how the collective has grown organically, it's kind of funny that we actually only have two traditional brick and mortar flower shops as customers. The rest are, yeah, the rest are just freelance designers, wedding and event designers, and then other flower farmers who have to fill a void or they're like branching out and doing weddings or events and they need a certain color or a certain flower. Hmm. So it's kind of funny how that's all worked out that we really don't even do a whole lot of business with traditional brick and mortars. It's more events. Very cool. So I know when I first started working with you, I know it was one of the things you had said to me was like, oh, if you could grow an entire high tunnel of stock, which this was last season, right? So I, because we sold a ton of stock to you the previous year. And then this year I basically killed all of it. I mean, the polar vortex. I was so proud of myself just to kill every blessed stem that I put in that ground. You know, sometimes it's your year and sometimes it's not this year. (laughs) I am, I'm in a learning phase this year. So talk about like how the collective works from the farmer perspective. So like from me to you and then from like how the florist customer on the other side, because it's, you're in an interesting spot. You're the middleman. You're kind of like monkey in the middle. Yeah, you are a hustler. Yeah. It's, and it's, it is, I will say from my perspective though, Connie, it's super nice to know we're moving volume of product and I get florists that are tagging me on social media that I've never met before. So my product's going lots of places that it would never reach from my small, from my small community that I'm in. So, but anyway, okay. You answer that. Well, so from the farmer end of it, um, so the farmers, you know, obviously we're several years into it now. So they kind of know, you know, what will move through the collective. Right. And so I'll just give you an example of how a week works. Right. If that probably is the most Mm -hmm. beneficiary, but so the farmers will update me on what they have available. Right quantity, stuff like that, variety colors. And then that gets uploaded to the website. And then the the florists and or approved wholesalers can shop on the website from like Thursdays at 9 p.m. until Mondays at 2, right? And then the website goes down. I update the farmers on what they sold. And then they have the rest of the day, Monday, Tuesday to harvest and deliver to the collective. Like in Lindsay's case, for example, just because of how she has to ship and everything. I just kind of predict what will sell of hers and just flat out order from her ahead of time so that she's not waiting, having to wait till Monday to harvest and then pack and, and ship it out. So that's kind of how that works on the farmer end of it. And the big heart, the hard thing, I think the hardest thing with the farmers is predicting out what they're going to have. So they tend to like 
predict a little bit on the low side just to make sure we have enough to cover orders. Because you have to understand in the back side of things, I'm taking pre-orders too. And I don't even know what the farmers have yet. So it can, it, it gets a little tricky times. And then on my end, so that's, that product comes in on fr- on Tuesdays. Some of the farmers will deliver on Wednesday mornings and they'll hang out for a little bit during the collective while people are picking up or doing in-person shopping. So when those orders come in, then, you know, I'm dividing out the orders based on, you know, what's coming from what farm or whatever. And then on Wednesday mornings, customers are picking up Usually I wait till around 10 or 11 to box up any FedEx orders because usually by then all the floors have picked up. So then we start boxing up all the FedEx orders and out the door they go. And then it's the cycle starts all over again. The farmers give me their availability list on Thursday for the next week. The weeks go really fast. Mm-hmm. Just like Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I know. She always sends me the sweetest text message like, reminding me to send a text, you know, to her. I'm like, what I have, she's the sweetest because there's some harassment she has to do. I don't make it yeah. easy. I'm like, Crap, me, the okay, they always promise me they're going to remember this week, but they, <laughs> I always have to send out a reminder. But like, I know, like they're out there in the field and stuff, you know, how are they going to remember yeah. to send, send me their avail- Because it takes some time. They got to go out. They got to Mm-hmm. Kind of do a little bit of a count, estimate what they're going to have, what's close to blooming, what's not close to blooming. And then on top of that, I'm I'm texting them a lot like, you know, like I have, you know, like I might have a special order and they, they only need one or two bunches of this. And it's not something that anybody has let me know that they have, but not every, nobody is sending me their entire list of what's available in their field, right? They're only sending yeah. me what they, what they know, first of all, will sell through the collective. No one's no one's telling me, you know, I got 20 bunches of orange zinnias because they're not going to sell. But I might have a customer okay. who on a fluke wants, you know, a bunch of orange zinnias. So, you know, it's a lot on that end. And I know they're busy. So, but yeah, there is a level of harassment yeah. I have to do. Yeah, I do feel bad now. <laughs> no. The master harasser. Yeah. <laughs> I try to be nice you about it. Black. Oh, you're very sweet. Yeah. You are very sweet. I'm always like, I say some sort of profanity to myself, like I knew I was going to forget. But anyway, we make we made it work. Yeah, I'm I'm further away than everybody else in her area, so we we ship and usually do spring, and then usually some fall stuff. So summer's kind of a gap for us because she has a yeah. lot of farms in between that can kind of fill that. But if she ever needs something, she usually just during the summer she'll message me on that. But it's it's very seamless on our end, and like I said, it's been great exposure for us to learn. It's a learning opportunity for us to ship and learn how to pack and properly. I'm always like sweating until she texts me and says that it arrived okay. Hey, every box arrived perfect this, this good. spring. Good, 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 good. But yes, yeah, it is another sense. level of of knowledge there shipping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Connie, so are you a one woman show or do you have help like managing this at all or nope. no, it's um, just you. It's just me. I mean, yeah. uh, my husband, you know, obviously once all the FedEx boxes are packed up, he will run the orders out to FedEx mm-hmm. in the rare occasion that I mess up an order or a bucket gets left behind. You know, I, I will send him out on a delivery mm-hmm. and then a lot of times, you know, some of the far- farmers will hang out with me on Wednesday mornings just to kind of like, you know, customer service. Why I'm if I'm still pulling orders or I'm helping one up, one of the other customers, they can talk to them and keep, you know, keep the conversation going until I can yeah. get to them. Mm-hmm. Katie at Old Slate Farm, she's real good about she'll hang out for like the first hour, hour and a half of the collective. Help me pull orders, you know, talk mm-hmm. to the florist yeah. and the florist. They love talking to the growers, yeah. you know. Like yeah. they love talking to the growers. Mm-hmm. So, so just to clarify, so everybody, all the farmers somehow get their flowers, either shipping or they deliver it to, is it your farm? Are you like the home base? Yep. So we have a location. We own a little piece of property off of, we're just like three minutes off of 71. So we're almost exactly one hour from Cleveland and one hour from Columbus, you know, depending on what part of each city you come from. Okay. So it's really convenient and we're, you know, Mm-hmm. An hour drive from Akron too. So yeah, everybody everybody brings everything to the farm with the exception of Lindsay. She's the only one that is shipping at this time. Mm-hmm. We are 
kind pretty close to maybe having to bring on another farm because I'm not seeing the quantity that I want to see on the website every week. So I am potentially going to reach out to some farms and one in particular is a little bit farther away. So they might have to implement the shipping. So that might, yeah. but yeah, it's, that is part of their responsibility is to get it to okay. the collective. Yeah. And then your florists come some shop or they either come pick up their order that they've already pre-ordered or they come and just shop. So, so you do take on like a certain bit of risk by purchasing extras for that shopping day. So how do you go about projecting? Cause I know you said, oh, they'll know like what will sell through the collective and what not. So like, I guess what would be, I'm curious to like, what, what's on your will sell versus your like, there's no way in, in heck that that's going to sell list. Well, we always have from the very beginning, our goal was to try to get as many people to the collective as possible, only because, I mean, and you guys know this, you go out into the field and you're like, wow, there's something really unique and interesting blooming that you didn't know about, right? And it might only be three or four bunches. And so that's not really worth the time and effort to maybe list that on the website. So Mm -hmm. from the very beginning, we tried to encourage people to come pick up your order because while you're there, you can also shop stuff that was not even on the website. Mm. So there, there's always that unique stuff that like, uh, for example, last week we had beautiful pansies and roses weren't even on the website. Didn't even, you know what I'm saying? So we always try to encourage, you know, the buyers to pick up as far as the, yes, there is a level of, you know, what if it doesn't sell because it's, it's very much, like I'm just a sales outlet. Like I'm not outright buying the product. So I always am very upfront with the farmers on, you know, we sell a lot of white blush, cream, lilac, you know, periwinkle colors. If you're going to bring a bunch, I would not suggest bringing sunflowers. I cannot sell a sunflower to save my life. Zinnias. Mm -hmm. I just, I I can't move them. Yeah. Even snapdragons are a hard sell. Snapdragons are a hard sell. Mm -hmm. So it's, and it's a lot of like, you know, like yellow tulips. I, you know, it's hard to move a yellow tulip through the collective unless someone specifically is asking for it. Mm -hmm. So when they bring product, you know, I just try to work with them on, because we have a couple growers that are fairly new growers and I'm just, you know, upfront with them on what potentially might not sell. Mm -hmm. And if you bring it and it doesn't sell, then if it's something that, you know, has a long base life and can store like, for example, tulips or peonies, then we keep them in the cooler and we'll continue to try to sell them for you. But ultimately, if it doesn't sell, then we compost it. Right. And then you're just out that money. I'll just use Nate from Mohegan as an example. He has a pretty good business model to work with the collective because he does three of the biggest farmers markets in Columbus. Right. So when Nate messages me his availability list. It's always what he has that is wedding and event product, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's a lot of, like he's listed a lot of foxglove lately because he knows he can get a good premium price from them through the collective Mm -hmm. because it's something they're looking for. And then anything that doesn't sell, and he'll always bring extra, like if he brings a lot of extra. And then if it doesn't sell, he swings back through because these have all been cool. They're all in the cooler. They're not sitting Mm -hmm. out for any just for a couple hours, he brings them back through and it's stuff that he can work into his market bouquets. So he has very mm-hmm. little waste. That's the best model there because he's grown a lot of everything. Katie at Old Slate Farm, I'll use her as another example. Her only other sales outlet other than the collective is her own weddings. And she has a great mm-hmm. eye for like what's in style. So, you know, a lot of the product that she's growing is stuff that's going to get sold to florists anyway, event designers anyways. So she has very little waste. And if she doesn't have an event that weekend, then she's just bringing all her extras in hopes that the walk-in customers will buy us out. And just as an example, I think it was two weeks ago, she brought a lot of extras and she sold every single, she sold out of her stuff. Oh, good. So, yeah. yeah. It's it's just at the risk of the farmer, what you bring, if it'll sell or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the farmer in that case is like assuming they're assuming the risk, which is what we do right. anyway, if you were packing up and going to yeah. a farmer's market, any exactly. of that too. So it's just a different sales outlet, but the same, same sort of thing. I mean, I yeah. think that's what makes sort of what we do a risky business anyway, because we have such a perishable product, you know, so right. we have such a limited time to 
to move it. So, so so if someone's listening to this and they're, you know, a couple of years in their farm and they're thinking maybe this growing thing isn't for me, but I love flowers. And they were thinking about maybe starting their own collective, like where would you direct somebody to start or how did you, you know, how did you dig into this to get where you are today? Well, the first, like I said, I, and I reached out to the Colorado collective and she was very helpful. And then obviously I've looked at the other co-ops and collectives, you know, very deep into their websites and everything and how their models run. And then just looked into that deeper and then figured out the logistics. I will tell you that I think it is something that is very much needed in our area in Ohio, just because of how big the state is. It would be impossible. Like, yes, I can grow the business as far as shipping, but if somebody really wanted just something very local, I have a waiting list of almost 45 farms that want to join the collective. And there's no way... There's no way I could ever consume that many farmers, right? That would like I would like just lose it. So yeah. I would um, now I better get on my texting. Yeah, my gosh. Yeah. Oh my god, I better get back to you. I'm gonna get booted. I didn't realize the pressure. Yeah. <laughs> I will be better. I will push you in my phone. <laughs> well, so so there's a lot of farms, right? And I have farms that are a couple hours away, like and Lindsay's several hours away, but I've worked with, like, we've worked on mastering the shipping part, right? But there's Mm -hmm. newer farms that are only, that are several hours away and like on the borders of other states where you almost could form your own little collective. You're close to a couple big cities Mm -hmm. and you could almost do your own thing. And it would probably in the long run be a better business plan for you than trying to bring it to Mm -hmm. our collective that's two hours away from you, not being guaranteed any sales, if that makes sense. Because if you're hauling your product a couple yeah. hours away and I can't guarantee any sales, that's pretty risky because then you got the labor of getting it there, you know, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. You know, as far as being able to be profitable, I can't speak as far as co-ops go, but for collectives, I will just say, for example, you know, I hold 30% of their sales. So that does, I've had some people say that does, that's a little high. But you also have to think like I'm paying for, you know, we run the cooler, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's our property that we're running it off of, you know, I have to pay for, I don't pay for shipping, but there is some added expenses as, as far as, you know, wrapping this, the product, making sure that ice packs are in there, the tape, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the website, MailChimp, Squarespace, all that stuff to make sure that the website runs effectively. So I hold 30%, mm-hmm. but that does leave. And, and your time too. Does, your time. Yeah. Yeah. Time. You. Yeah. yeah right. you. And it's, yeah. <laughs> yes. But it does leave a nice little, I can honestly tell you I'm making more off of the collective than I did when I was farming and doing weddings. And it's a lot less stress than mm-hmm. doing weddings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For me, for that 30% to me is it's nothing because you're, you're doing all the conversation with the florist mm-hmm. at this point, you know, you're taking those orders and it's very easy for us, you know, on that side. So I, I think that's smart. And I think you're right. I think it's a great business opportunity for people out there. If you're thinking you've got somebody that's just this fiery personality, that's always looking to sort of, or looking to take something on because I, that would be me in that situation where I'd be like, sure, I'll manage that. I'll take care of it. <laughs> You know, so you, you, when you and uh, Katie and Nate all got together, you know, to take that and spearhead that on. And now you've made an entire business out of that, which I think right. is, is pretty incredible. Right. And that, you know, that 30%, you know, once you get in the groove of it and you, you know, I can very quickly text you your solds for the week. And that's yes. as simple as our texts are. It's, you sold this, make sure it's here yeah. by Tuesday. You know, a lot of times those farmers were getting, by the time you hold out my commission, they're getting more per bunch of flowers than they are when they're doing farmer's markets or roadside stands. Like we're asking, because if someone wants cafe cream foxglove or whatever, you can't just find those anywhere. You know, it's a very, you know, it's a hard one. Or if they need 20 bunches of cream Mm -hmm. foxglove, you're going to, they're going to pay a premium price for that because you just can't go into the wholesaler. And you can't usually, unless you're going to one of the bigger farms, you can't usually go get, 25 bunches of one colored foxglove from one farmer. So, mm-hmm. but a lot not of times- quality in either. No, That's the other piece, no. not quality. Yes. I mean, that, mm-hmm. supplementing from a wholesaler and being able to call a collective that are farmers that are giving you a yes. fresh cut product, that is 
that's dreamy right. from a from a, a designer's perspective. So right. yeah, think about like all, all the farmers that you're giving opportunities to because you know we we're all the time talking talking to our listeners and and the insiders for sure definitely about about finding the right business avenue for you. Right. Like what mm-hmm. makes you happy? And some for some people, their social battery like drains very quickly Mm -hmm. being out and about. So if, you know, there's a new farmer that's like, okay, I I really don't, maybe my personality is not the right fit. Like this is for a farmer's Mm -hmm. market or being more the customer face. Maybe this Mm -hmm. would be the perfect opportunity for them to be able to sell their flowers. Do the growing piece might be the piece that lights them up and they just want to sell it and be done with it. I know um, we're recording some, an extra with Connie and the insiders all about what you need to do to prepare and how you know you're ready to approach a collective to say that you're ready to sell to them. So if that's something that you are thinking about, definitely the July Insiders would be a really good opportunity for you. I know Connie has, how many years have you been doing this now, Connie? The collective, I've been, yeah. this is our fourth season, but I've okay. been in the floral industry for 25 years. So yeah, yes. Between from starting out and order, so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So think about, I mean, everything you've learned from like the Connie that started the collective four four <laughs> years ago to now. You know, it's incredible, yeah. and mm-hmm. you really are. I mean, I you're not one to toot your own horn, but. Um, you're really giving a lot of other farms a lot of opportunities to be able to sell their flowers when they normally would feel frustrated or mm-hmm. would might feel drained by their farms. They're getting an opportunity to sell, which is really cool of you. So yeah. you're doing a great job. I, oh, thank you. I would like to, you know, when you're talking about, you know, depending on what socially you can handle as far as putting yourself out there to sell your content, mm-hmm. to sell your product. Like I will, Karen from Karen's garden. She's over in Kidron, right? Yeah. I love Karen. So Karen, we kind of have a unique thing there too, right? So she's over in prime Amish country and she has a lot. We deal a lot with, you know, stay at home moms over there that just need a little extra income. And Karen kind of asks, acts as a little hub for me. So like if I need extra product, you know, she facilitates it. I'm picking it up from Karen and bringing it back. And they never, you know, where they're not allowed to use social media to sell their product. Like I've had some Amish ladies reach out and they'd be willing to have a driver bring it to them. Well, that's not always practical, but, you know, we've been able to work with even some Amish ladies who are able to sell their product through, through us without having to really do anything that, goes against what they're allowed to do within the church. So, and that works out great too for them. Yeah. Yeah. And and win-win for the florists too. I mean, they're getting access to, instead of having to individually chit chat with all these different farmers to try to figure out what's available and what do you have available? Like you get to be that, that middleman for them, which I'm sure is, you know, being the middleman can be hard. (laughs) Oh yeah. It can be frustrating. Uh, Yes. I mean, setting expectations. I mean, I I guess, do you find that difficult with the florist? Because I know just even from my smallish dealing with florists, it's sometimes like going through it all with them can be hard. Yeah. I mean, I like the florist for the most part that we have now are like great. And they know, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just like when you order from a traditional wholesaler, right? Your order, you might get subbed something and you don't know until the day your order comes or the day you go to the wholesaler to pick it up. And unfortunately, that does happen on occasions with the collective. You know, we just got some, like right before we got on, we had a little bit of, you know, a downpour. And that may have ruined an outdoor crop, you know, that I wouldn't know about until one of the farmers called to tell me. So, yeah, I have, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of training on both the farmer end for newer farmers. And there's a lot of training with florists and even the old school florists because they're, they're used to working with a traditional wholesaler that is pulling from massive farms out of country. Mm-hmm. Right. And they have everything at mm-hmm. their disposal and quantity. And, and then time. also, we're, yeah. And then also yeah. working with them, working with like newer designers who maybe have from the very get go wanted to work with local flowers and haven't worked a lot with traditional wholesalers. So working with them in as far as when you receive your shipped flowers, you know, what is the best way to process like Orlea. Orlea can come in looking a little rough. You know, you got to know how to process it correctly. You got to know how to process your flowers correctly when they come dry packed. So there's a lot of education on that part. And we're not 
I will say we're not a fit for everyone. If you're one of those designers that, you know, you like you actually tell your your customer what flowers are going to be in their bouquet and you're not working with necessarily a palette, we're not always the best for that. We we work mm-hmm. good. I have a lot of florists that will actually email me their color palette for the wedding and be like, what will you have in mid-July that will work with this? And they'd rather have mm-hmm. me tell them than them tell me what they want. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. You've done a good job, I think, of training the training the florists to, to order online, like order through your, your website. Because I know that can be a hurdle with with some traditional floors. I know Shan's talked about that before with her website and just getting like that groove done. So I feel like there's a training aspect to, especially to be the middleman, right? Your, yes. your communication has got to be fantastic right. with both sides. So is there anything you've like you started doing with the co-op in the beginning that you've changed or let go of and you've done different or improved? Well, I can tell you one thing <laughs> just along the same lines of what we were just talking about, like training the florist, like I, from the beginning, and I, this is so true. And like a lot of other businesses, even when I was trying to grow, like you cannot take orders through social media. You cannot take orders through social media. You have to be able to get on the website and order, or you have to send an email. It's too confusing. Social media should be used for social media and not placing floral orders. So that's one thing I've really had to change and stick to on because it, like it's just too hard to keep track of everything if everything's more streamlined into one area. Another thing that I've changed, well, this, I was allowing the florist to text me stuff. So now I have, I text with the farmers and I email with the florist. So I'm not really mm-hmm. overwhelmed on one end or the other, mm-hmm. if that makes yeah, sense. Smart. So, <laughs> so yeah. I keep them divided. Smart. Other The other thing, the other big change I made was delivery. You know, if we were to offer delivery, then we're getting into hiring more people. We're getting into, you know, which I do have a vehicle, but I'm just saying the wear and tear on a vehicle. And, Mm. you know, that because even though you charge delivery fees, let's, you know, we all know that that's not covering the cost of a vehicle, right? And having someone go out. So then now all of a sudden, now the profits are going down. So I feel like the ones that really want to work with us, I mean, we have florists that drive over an hour to pick up their flowers. So I feel Mm -hmm. like the customers are there that really are passionate about local are going to come pick them up. So that was another thing that we started off doing that we've ex-nate. Unless, like I said, you place a substantial order and we can barely fit it all in the van, then we'll make the exception and bring it to you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really smart too, because you're making your business work for you versus you working for the business Mm -hmm. because you're making, you're like, well, this, you know, I want a higher profit margin. And so you're eliminating the things that don't work. That's really smart. I feel like I should be, I could probably evaluate my business through that lens too. So and uh, honestly, with the way, you know, obviously with the discounts we get with FedEx and everything, honestly, it's, uh, it's works out cheaper a lot of times to just priority overnight it. Hmm. And I know there can be some conflict on whether that's, you know, environmentally, but, you know, you're driving the car to, you know, two hours, an hour each way or, you know, FedEx in it overnight. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, your brain just must be full of all kinds of information constantly. (laughs) How are you keeping this all organized? What would you say be your favorite business tool that you utilized in your day to day? Yeah. So I'm pretty old school. I do a lot of uh, notebooks, paper calendars, stuff like that. But, you know, obviously, you know, my phone and the website are like the two biggest tools because I have, Mm -hmm. you know, I guess my my phone because I'm readily available to speak to talk with the farmers. And then also I at the same time can answer emails coming in from the florist. Right. So that's probably Mm -hmm. my biggest tool. If I didn't have my phone, I would be lost. That's just how I do it. As far as the website, you know, I got to have the website to do it. But other than that, it's just old school notepad and pencil. Yeah. A lot of notes go down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Smart. The cell phone piece, that's Mm -hmm. why sometimes I want to like get rid of my cell phone, but I realize like it is a business tool. (laughs) I give myself parameters. I put it down during the weekends. I give myself some time off from it, but you're really right. It's, you know, that's how we, it is a computer. We walk around with a computer in our pocket at all times. So, so if you had to go back year one, Connie, what business advice would you give yourself um, in the floral in the floral business? Like if you're just starting, like it could be 
anything, not just like of the collective. I guess a lot of it would be just go with my gut instinct instead of looking at what other florists are doing or what other farmers are doing. Mm. I made, you know, unfortunately, and I think a lot of business owners are like this, you make a lot of your decisions based on what other businesses are doing. And even though it's not necessarily what's right for you. And I was guilty of that. I'll just use the example of when I opened up the brick and mortar, right? We went with Teleflora and FTD because that's what every brick and mortar across America was doing was Teleflora and FTD. And so that is an example where, you know, a lot of times you had brought in orders, but by the time you break it down, you weren't really making any additional money by being members. So that that's one. And then, you know, as far as like getting into growing and everything, thinking I had to grow all the really expensive flowers because I had to grow it all. Right. And I realized very quickly that, you know, I was not, I guess, born to farm. (laughs) So, you know, I realized that I can't, I can't, I, I don't have the bandwidth or the mindset to, or the knowledge to grow the flowers. I need to grow the easy ones. And then even after that, realizing that, you know, I'm not meant to grow. I'm just meant to facilitate all this stuff. So, but yeah, probably from the very first thing would be just quit paying attention to what other businesses are doing and just do what you think. I guess you can't say do what you think is going to work. I mean, you obviously have to put some, you know, you have to do some background research, right? And you have to know your market and everything, but don't do it just because another business is doing it. That that's yeah. my number one thing because I and that has consecutive right. consecutively followed me through all of the stages of my floral industry mm. career. Yeah, yeah, because I think trusting yourself. You know, for me, I just was talking to Shannon about doing full service weddings, and we cut them out. I just did one this past weekend, and the bride was a doll. You know, and she said, "Well." why'd you do it? And I was like, well, they paid me a lot of money to go do it. Um, And I I did. But the whole time I was doing it, I could feel this angst inside of my body, even though they were the most fantastic people to work with. They were so sweet. This like Italian family, this huge wedding. But that like gut check in with myself was like, yeah, Lens, this is why, this is why, you know. So you're right. It's That's such great advice, Connie. That is such great advice to just like not compare ourselves to everybody else. And we talk about putting blinders on all the time, yes. putting blinders on. And you do, you have to try some of those things and, and fail at it and realize like this, mm-hmm. it might work for somebody else, but it's not working for me. So. Right. You know, I did the stretch where, you know, I freelanced and did weddings and everything. And you're right. At a certain point, you have to realize just because every other, you know, a lot of the flower farmers are doing weddings on the side, that added value of stress is not worth it to me. You know, so yeah, I had to realize, you know, what's causing the most stress. And if I eliminate that, am I going to, is it really going to affect my income that much? I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very cool. So if you could tell us where do you see the collective heading in the future? Like what, what, what's the five-year plan on the collective? Like what do you envision for it? And is it, I mean, is it just staying the same and refining it? Is it, what does that look like for you? I do have big ideas for the collective, but I tend to dream a little bit bigger than I should. (laughs) So reality wise, I don't, the collective will grow. I think, I believe it will as far as, you know, at a certain point we're going to hit, we're going to become level with how many customers will actually come to the collective. Right. But I think the potential to ship flowers can only grow. Right. So that can get bigger and bigger. And we could obviously include more farms to do that. I do have a, an idea that I would, I had spoke with a, several of the farmers about this this fall. I do have the urge to like educate people on just Ohio farms in general. And that would be a way to include more farmers without actually having them sell their product through, through the collective. Crazy ideas. I'd love to start a YouTube channel that showed yes. the inner workings of like some of the flower farms we work with how it works, Mm -hmm. getting the stuff to us, the different seasons of growing and stuff like that. There are, you know, there's channels that show flower farms and how they handle Mm -hmm. their product, but to really show, showcase just Ohio flower farms, just to bring awareness to their farms and not just, you know, the only way that the collective can benefit you would be to sell your product to them because we can also benefit other farms just by bringing awareness to their farms and then growing that. But 
that's yeah. a that's a long term goal. You know, yeah. I get up my social media for that. <laughs> yeah, but that's a crazy goal. But that's something I would like to Amazing. do. But I see the collective growing. We've grown every year since we've started, which is great because I would never have expected that. I try to keep my expectations realistic when it comes to the money, but but it has grown every year. So that's great. Oh, that's good. Well, where can people find find you, connect with you and the collective? Where, what's the best way to reach you? So the website is Ohio Cut Flower Collective. And then there is like, obviously a contact us. If you are a whole, you know, a florist, because obviously we only work with wholesale, like florists, true wholesale. Um, so you have to be a floral professional. There is, you know, you can submit an application to be able to buy from the, through the collective. Then also we're on Instagram, Ohio Cut Flower Collective. And that's where you can find a lot of content about what's going on at the collective. So. Aww. Well, I'm so thank glad you. you on here. Yeah. I know. And you're such, I was just, as you were talking about these like Ohio flower farmers, I'm like, you're such an includer. You know, like, I think that's what makes you so good at your job. Like you just want everybody to win. And I think that's why this collective is, is fantastic because you're wanting to share local, you know, agriculture across Ohio and the YouTube idea. I think it's, I think you should go with it. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, it's a great, that's a great, my YouTube, uh, my YouTube episode would be you texting me at like, 7 p.m. <laughs> that's how it would start. Yeah, yeah no, I think that's such a great idea. Only, I test, like literally 10 minutes before the website goes live, I'll be texting someone, do you have anything you want to list this week? <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's such a great idea. I'm so glad you gave us a little bit of your time. I know yes. you're a busy, busy woman. So really appreciate, hey, I appreciate it. appreciate it, guys. Yes. Yeah. Lindsay's going to get right on scheduling that Ohio flower farmers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's so many great Ohio flower farms. There really there are. are. It's are. a great bunch. Yeah. Yes. There are so many great, um, even like you picks. And I mean, people mm-hmm. have came up with, have come up with some really unique ideas. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, you could literally spend an entire summer just visiting different, you know, mm-hmm. different places in Ohio that have, that are only to do with cut flowers. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. Well, thank you, Connie. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Okay, guys, if you loved this episode and gained a lot of knowledge and inspiration, you should really think about and consider joining us over on the Dirt on Flowers Insiders group. Each month, we will continue adding to our content library with bonus teachings, downloads, templates. We are no longer going to be closing the doors or opening only opening the doors for five days. We're gonna, It's going to be open all the time, which will really simplify the process for you and give you access to everything that we've created for the insiders and each month more and more goodies. And of course, the live Zoom Q&A where you can literally ask us anything. So it really gets your personal questions answered and is such a great resource. So if you also need some flower farming friends, there's lots of good ones in our Facebook group and really they're just so like-minded and they will work alongside to grow your business. So thank you so much for being part of the podcast. We are so grateful that you trust us and you love tuning in each Friday where we try to have some fun and grow our businesses together. So thank you. And as always, we'll see you at the same time, same place next week.